This morning, if you have your Bibles, I encourage you to open those to the Gospel of John, chapter 1. John, chapter 1. Christmas is never a celebration of less than the baby in the manger. However, it is always a celebration of more than that. So the question that we pose this morning is, what is the more? What exactly was swaddled in those swaddling clothes? What was there? You may or may not... um, have placed your presence under the tree or or maybe you're waiting for a large man to come down a Lake Jackson chimney tonight to place your presence under the tree. But if there are presents that are there from grandparents, because let's be real, they're the ones who bring the presents early, more than likely if there is someone small in your home, they have taken said present and they have shaken it. To try to figure out what is inside of the box. What is in there. Now I'm not encouraging us to shake babies at any point in our lives. But when we look at this passage, when we consider what it means for us to see Jesus, this gift that God has given to us that we read about in and, and the entirety of the Bible, we have to ask ourselves, what's there? I, I remember being in college and I had a friend who, for whatever reason, invited me to her home for for Christmas Eve. And she must have felt sorry for me. And and I decided, sure, because her mom was a pretty good cook, so I should go over there. And we headed to the McDade home. And her dad, at some point in the evening, told us that he was going to read the Christmas story. Now, I've heard the Christmas story for the entirety of my life. Charlie Brown has read it to me. I have heard the Christmas story from various family members. Not the one with that kid who wears the glasses, who is warned to not shoot his eyes out. The real Christmas story. And while I'm there, familiar with the story that we are all familiar with, that has nativities posted in every yard, this man opened his Bible to the Gospel of John and begins to read here. And I invite you to read along with me. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him. And without Him was not anything made that was made. And in Him was life. And that life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light. That all might believe through Him. He was not the light yet came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was not, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. 
And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about Him and cried out, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because He was before me. For from His fullness we have all received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth have come through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God. Who is at the Father's side. He's made him known. As Mr. McDade read that story. My immediate thought was. This isn't the Christmas story that I know. He's got a different Bible. There, there are no, there's no manger. There has to be a manger. There are no wise men. They showed up when Jesus was three. There are, there are none of the things that I'm familiar with. with us yet, yet here, we see a story that very much lines up with the one that we all know. It's almost like this. This, this past week, many of you went to the movie theater to see... Ferdinand, the movie. Actually, you would see Star Wars. That's what people saw this week. And if you are unfamiliar with the Star Wars franchise, in 1977, a man by the name of George Lucas uh, opened up with this series about this, these space cowboys. We know about cowboys here as people in Texas. And that's the, it's a space western. And as you would watch the story from 1977 to 1984, every person who is my age was captivated with the story. Then something happened. He decided to make prequels. And the prequels that George Lucas released take, took place between 1999 and, if I'm not mistaken, 2005. And as these movies were released, everyone who had any history with these whatsoever watched. And they said, this is a completely different story. This is a story that you should not tell. This story is hot garbage. This is not the story that we want. These stories that took place... Before the story that we're familiar with took place. Imagine if Lucas had not done that. Imagine if in his telling of this story, he had told it to perfection. He had fulfilled, fulfilled for those who were lovers of the story what it's really about. John, when he writes his gospel, starts with this. Filling the story in. That the Jesus who we see in this manger is much more than a baby. Here are the things that we see about Jesus in this passage. In verses 1 through 3, and this is on the back of your worship guide, we see God existing in creation. 1 through 3, God existing in creation. In the beginning was the Word. Now, as we look through the scriptures, we see the idea of, of the word as a very important concept in, in the way that God shows himself. In the Old Testament, God's word is his powerful self-expression. So God spoke when he wanted things to happen. However, in the New Testament, as we have fully experienced God here, it is God's full disclosure. 
Not just God expressing himself, but God revealing himself. Here, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. The connotation there, in this poem of John's, is that God stood with God face to face. Jesus, the Word, was with God. And the Word was God. So Jesus is God. And Jesus is God fully revealed. He was in the beginning with God. Not only do we see Jesus present there, we also see that Jesus is active in creation. All things were made through him. Or if we're replacing the pronouns with, with the nouns that they're attached to, all things were made through the word. And without the word was not anything made that was made. So Jesus creates active in creation, fully God moving our world into its place. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Not only do we see that Jesus is God existing in creation, we also see this, that Jesus is God's embodied illumination. The Jesus who we have seen and known in verse five, 4 and 5. The Jesus that we gather to think about this morning is the light that God has given to the world. Go with me. 4 and 5. In him was life. And that life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness. And the darkness has not overcome it. In the person of Jesus, this baby wrapped in um, swaddling clothes. The light for the world that God has provided is made known. I'm not sure as to the head count of children at your home. We're up to four. Some days it feels like eleven. And they all have different personalities. And you know, it's probably like that at your house. We have our early risers. And our early risers are our oldest shepherd and my daughter, Noli. Our oldest shepherd, he, he will typically uh, find a corner of the house to, to read a book. Or if we're allowing iPad things to happen, he will illuminate his face with the iPad Noli's not like that. When she wakes up, she's ready for everyone on, in the world to wake up. Everyone on planet Earth to wake up. She begins to sing of birds singing and chirping and bees buzzing around. She is a very loud child and she will walk around the home to make sure that everyone has joined into her foray of awakeness. And she will lean over your face and she will whisper things like, Daddy, are you awake? If you've got that kid at your house, could you just raise your hand? She will slam doors behind her gently. In a world where you slam things gently. And she will wake you up and your eyes will open. And you will think to yourself, I'm not even a Christian at this hour. 
And you will do one of two things with the light. You will either respond to it and you will get up and you will fix whatever she needs you to fix. Or you will cover your head with the pillow. Walking away. This light that we read about in the Gospel of John does one of two things for us. We respond to him in one of two ways. We reject it. Or we respond to it. You'll notice that something very unique has happened here because Jesus is the creator. And when you look into this John's account, you walk alongside of the, the Genesis account because those two books begin with the same exact wording. And when you read in the Genesis account, you see the idea of God, Spirit, moving over the darkness. So the Word is moving over the darkness and the Word who became flesh and dwelt among us that we'll talk about in a few moments, this Word who is light. He cut the darkness before creation and now, as verse 5 tells us, He pierces the darkness within it. That God's people exist in this world to be light. That God expresses himself as light through us, in us. That Jesus is God's embodied illumination. We also see this, that when we look at the passage, Jesus is also, verses 9 through 13, he is God's exclusive inclusion. I use the word exclusive intentionally because you'll notice that something takes place in the passage between verse 9 and verse 13 where there is distinction made as to how you respond to Jesus. Verse 9, continuing this theme of light, the true light which gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own people and they did not receive him. So you have people who do not know him and people who do not receive him. People who have no clue as to who he is and people who would recognize him but walk away because they view him as a vague representation of what they expected. So there is this distinction here with what the light does because the light for these just shines light on their the idea that they are not part of him. Yet here it lets us know that he came to his own. His people did not receive him. Verse 12. But to all who did receive him. Who believed in his name. He gave the right to become the children of God. Who were born not of blood nor of the will of flesh nor of the will of man. They were born of God. Whenever you read gospel writers, you, you notice certain themes. And a word that runs through the entirety of John's gospel is the word believe. And the word is very different than the way that we use it. Because when we talk about belief, we're talking about an informed opinion. However, when John talks about belief, when he uses this word, it is interchangeable with the word trust. So what we find Jesus doing is in a world where there were some who did not receive him and some who did not know him, there were, however, a remnant of people who did trust and did receive. And for those who did trust and did receive, they have been adopted into the family of God by this person who is Jesus. 
Jesus as God's full revelation has made the family of God fuller, has made us part of what God is doing. And you'll notice that this is not based on anything special in and of us. As a matter of fact, when John writes, he he says this, He gave them the right to become the children of God. They weren't born of blood, nor the will of flesh. They didn't make this happen on their own. They did not earn enough money for God to to love them and receive them. They simply trusted in His name, and in trusting in His name, God made them part. It wasn't because of their financial status or their nationality. It wasn't because of their family line. The hope of the world is that God has provided himself fully to us in Jesus to shine light into dark places and for us to be recipients of the light. To see and to know and experience what God has given us to see and know and experience. Jesus is God's exclusive inclusion. He is the only way that God includes us. This light-bearing Son of God. We also see this, that Jesus is God's essential incarnation. If you want to know who God is, then John would tell you to look long and hard at the person of Jesus. If you want to know what God likes, Read and see what Jesus seems to like. If you want to see what God dislikes, then look at what Jesus seems to dislike. If you want to know how God works and sees the world, then look and see it to how Jesus sees the world. If you want to consider how God's compassion is to be expressed, then look and see how Jesus' compassion is expressed Because you have this phrase that pops up. The Word became flesh. Baby in a manger, wrapped in swaddling clothes, shepherds. And dwelt among us. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen... His glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Verse 16. For from His fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses. Grace and truth came to us through Jesus. This idea of God's grace, Him him being in our presence. First and foremost, we, we see this concept of grace in this passage. And we see that God has historically directed His people as an action of grace. He has given us and defined where we should head and directed us towards Jesus in the entirety of the Old Testament as an act of His grace. That's what the phrase grace upon grace is taking us to. However, in the person of Jesus, God has also received us by a greater grace. The grace that God has offered to us who have a relationship with Jesus is unending. Imagine that you're on a cruise ship. I know some of you have just gotten back from one. And you have finished with your 17th ice cream cone. And you go, that's hypothetically speaking, of course. I know nothing about eating 17 ice cream cones on a cruise ship. And you stand on day two of the cruise. 
on the end of the ship, like Kate Winslet and Leonardo DiCaprio and Titanic before that thing went down. And you look in front of you and there's nothing but water. And you look to your left and there's nothing but water. And you look to your, your right and you take a Dramamine and you realize there's nothing but water. And you look over your shoulder and you see nothing but water. There's no land around you. And as far as the eye can see in every direction, it's just water. You can't see where you're going. All that you see is water. The action of God towards us in Jesus is one where he says, when you look this direction, there's grace. For those who have received him, when they look in this direction, there's grace. When you look behind you, there's nothing but grace. When you look in front of you, there's nothing but grace. Grace is everywhere, as far as the eye can see. That's what's been offered to us in Jesus. Because the Word became flesh and He chose to tabernacle among us. That's the actual word there. I have friends who like to camp. I'm from Tennessee originally. And I'm from the good part of Tennessee. Because once you go west of Nashville, it gets kind of not cool. But on the east side of Tennessee, it's really cool. It's pretty. And that's the part of the state that people claim. And there are, are mountains everywhere. I've got Tennesseans in the room. They would agree to this. Memphis, we've tried to give to Mississippi multiple times. <laughs> but where I'm from, I have these friends who like to go hiking. I remember going on vacation with some of the, or not a vacation. Our family has done vacation where we would hike through these trails. But we didn't stay overnight, thankfully. I lean less towards hiking, more towards Netflix. <laughs> but I had other friends who would go on these seven, eight day trips down the Appalachian Trail. And they would pack packs bigger than they were. And there would come a point where they would pitch a tent. And they would sleep there, and that would be their mobile dwelling place. They would do this two to three times before they came to their senses and decided to go home because Hulu had released something new. The idea of the tabernacle is a very well-known Jewish idea. It was the what came before the temple. But it, in its essence, had everything that the temple would possess. It was just a mobile dwelling place for the temple. It was a mobile place for the people to meet with God. And because of its mobility, the Jewish people were given directions as to how to make that work so that it would not become cluttered. As a matter of fact, in the book of Exodus, which echoes a lot of what happens in John, you have 15 chapters of directions as to hey, this is how you keep the, the tabernacle neat and tidy. This is what needs to happen in the tabernacle for it to work well. So in Exodus 25, Moses receives a long list of instructions. And when he finishes receiving these instructions... From the ever-present God who was with us and revealing himself to him daily. 
He walked back to a people who had forgotten about him because they were like most of us, quick to turn fickle. But the directions given to Moses as to what the tabernacle was to be, it was the place where he, the leader of the people, would meet with God, would get together with God. And the instructions and the directions for how the tabernacle was to work was so that that meeting could be what it was intended to be. You set the tabernacle up so that you could go meet with him. In John 1, we see the flip side of this coin because no longer are we people who have to seek to meet with God. God has chosen to meet with us. That Jesus has chosen to tabernacle among us. Now, in the book of Exodus, you see the instructions for the tabernacle, instructions for the temple, instructions for the high priest, instructions for sacrifice, instructions for light, instructions for how the glory of God is revealed, instructions for the bread on the table, instructions for the blood on the mercy seat, instructions for everything. But now that God is with us in the person of Jesus, we see that Jesus is the tabernacle. That Jesus is the temple that will be destroyed and rebuilt. That Jesus is light in the darkness. Jesus is the lamb to be sacrificed. Jesus is the great high priest who offered himself up. Jesus is the glory of God fully revealed. Jesus is the bread on the table. He's the blood at the mercy seat. Jesus is the door through which we enter. Our hope is that God has chosen to be with us. God with us. When God is with us, we see Him bigger and bigger and bigger. Because the whole idea of God being glory, it's a word that we throw around and we've all read books about glory. And based on the theological leanings of lots of people in this room, we've heard the word glory before. But when we break it down, it literally means that God is a big deal. Do we see God as a big deal? The story of the Chronicles of Narnia are some of my favorite. And one of those stories, one of the Pevinson children has, has come back and she's met with Aslan, the, the great lion who C.S. Lewis wrote about and who Disney would eventually completely undo in movies. But in one of the second book, Lucy meets with the lion. And he references how she has gotten bigger. And she says to him, well, you've gotten bigger too. And he says, no, 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 no. I've not gotten any bigger. But the more you grow, the bigger I'll seem. For those of us who've met with God who is with us, the more we grow because of him, the bigger he'll seem the more that we see that He has shaped our lives, the bigger of a deal He'll be. The more that we rest in this truth that God tabernacled with us, the bigger of a deal Jesus will be. Should you bow your heads pray with me? Jesus, we thank You for today. And we just thank You for being able to meet with You. The great high priest. 
our tabernacle, our shelter, our, our bread, our hope, our everything. So we pray that in this meeting with you, considering you as the baby in the manger, we will not forget what, you, what John would eventually write in the book of Revelation. Where he says that he saw in no temple in the city, for its temple is the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb. And the city had no need of sun or moon to shine on it, for the glory of God gives it light. And its lamp is the Lamb. By its night, the nations walk and the kings of the earth bring their glory into it. And its gates will never be shut by day. And there will be no night there. There will bring into it the glory and honor of the nations. But nothing unclean will ever enter into it. Nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those who are written in the book of the Lamb. Because the Word became flesh and tabernacled among us. Jesus, because you chose to meet with us, we can continually meet with you. So I pray that we will sing at that and that it will resonate in our hearts. We ask this in your holy name. Everyone says? Would you stand?